This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I played Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Join with me today are our podcasting superstars, Amy Nelson and Richard Marquez. Amy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Very excited to be here and just loving Next Gen as usual. Very excited for this topic. Yes, it does touch on something that you very much love, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> and Richard, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking forward to this one? Maybe not as much as the weapons, but I'm just curious if you're looking forward to it. You know, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll discuss it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But before we get to our main topic, we do have uh, some Babel Conference feedback. And this is from Earl Grey 259, Weapons of TNG Part 2, where we talked about ship-based weapons. So, Amy, do you want to get us started on that? Yes. Tim Hans says, Happy New Year, Amy, Justin, and Richard. Well, Happy New Year to you, Tim. And he continues, wishing you the best for a successful 2019. Looking forward to what Earl Grey has in store in the new year. Well, thank you, Tim, for your lovely wishes. And yes, we've got some fun things already in the works for this year. Absolutely. Yeah, and that episode dropped right on New Year's Day. So thanks, Tim, for for those uh, New Year wishes. And uh, we do think there's a lot of fun stuff that we have in store. And I purposely um, actually made it drop on 1201. <laughs> I nice. noticed that. It was funny yeah. because like, you know, of course I was, I was up and I, and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> Earl Grey is already out. So I tweeted about it. I was like a few minutes into the new year and we've already got a new Earl Grey. Here you nice. go. <laughs> yeah. So that was perfect, Richard. Yeah. So Christopher Baca said, uh, happy new year. The Enterprise E used quantum torpedoes in First Contact. They were first seen in the D Space Nine episode, The Defiant. Yeah. Yep. Good point, because we were talking about quantum torpedoes and whether we had seen them. And yep, you're right. <laughs> you're right, yeah. Christopher. They were in First Contact, not in the series, but uh, they started in the movies. Uh, so Patrick Carlin said The Defiant does have aft torpedoes. Cisco orders Kira to fire at the Jem'Hadar with aft torpedoes as they're leaving the battle in the Dia's cast. And it does have other phaser banks. We've seen the Defiant and other Defiant class ships firing from beam emitters on the top and bottom of the ship. DS9's Paradise Lost and Voyager's Message in a Bottle are two examples I remember. So thanks, Patrick, for setting us straight. I think a lot of these comments are setting us straight about weapons 
I, mean, I think we were trying the best we could with the information we had, but uh, yeah, I guess the Defiant's pretty versatile too then, as well as being a tough little ship. Yes, <laughs> little. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Yates says, the Jem'Hadar hand weapons have anticoagulant, which I do remember uh, learning in Deep Space Nine in my rewatch. So, yep, good, good to know that. Yeah, I know we were mentioning that and where that came from, so there it is. Yep. We have such intelligent listeners. So thank you all for commenting. Yeah. And it probably helps when you're a listener, you have the time to look something up on the fly. Sometimes it's a little hard, but, (laughs) but we do really appreciate uh, getting some more information about this stuff. All right. So now we're going to go into our favorite character moments from Nemesis. Now, listeners, we've been doing this over the course of, I think, the last year across 11 different episodes covering all seven seasons and the four movies. So this is the last one, sadly, in this series, but we hope we'll make it a a good one for you. So like usual, uh, we'll go through our three picks and any honorable mentions. And Amy, we know that you love Nemesis. So why don't you give us your first pick? Well, I just wanted to point out that in deciding how I was going to approach this topic, like everyone knows I love Star Trek Nemesis, but I wanted to really dissect it specifically for character moments and not for its overall themes that I really enjoy. So I'm going to really focus on what this movie brings to our characters. And so I, I think it was very interesting for me to look at it through that lens instead of just why I like this movie. So I'm going to set aside why I like it and just focus on the character moments here. So Wait, wait, did we tie something behind your back? Did we tie one of your hands behind your back? Only one Riker Troy moment. That's right. Yes, yes. (laughs) 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 And I am proud to say that you guys will all be very happy because I have done so. Okay. Okay, you've made it so. Great. (laughs) All right. Well, and there was also a little challenge given to us uh, by Chris Trebizio, and he was like, we might need to look at the deleted scenes. So my first pick is from the deleted scenes, and I have the DVD, not the Blu-ray, and the deleted scenes with Patrick Stewart. And what I loved about this with his character is in the deleted scenes, he's talking about his character arc and sort of summarizing it all through the series and the movies. And what really brought out to me was that he was discussing like what it meant to be unique as Picard faces, you know, this clone, this duplicate in Shinzon, and how Patrick Stewart was talking about what it means to Picard. And it just totally reminded me of what Patrick Stewart was saying at STLV recently when he announced that Picard is back. And how uh, Patrick Stewart was talking about, well, the Picard series is going to be so different than what we've seen and how the events that have happened to Picard are going to affect who he is and, and how that has changed him, which I think is so different than what we've seen in the series because it's so episodic that we don't really see the impact of these experiences that he had. And... It's mentioned by Admiral Janeway that Picard gets all the tough assignments, the Borg, the Sona, the Romulans, where how all of these experiences will affect what we're going to see in the Picard series. 
Um, we just haven't really seen the ramifications of these major experiences on Picard. And so what I loved about this deleted scene is that it's really propelling us to the Picard series, which I'm so excited for. And I think that Patrick Stewart does a great job in understanding the Picard character. And especially since it's being set 20 years after Nemesis, that really understanding Nemesis helps us to, you know, prepare for the Picard series. And so that is my character moment. No, I think those are all great points. I just have a question because I was looking at the deleted scenes because we kind of had this challenge and we knew we were going to pick at least one. And I want you to describe the deleted scene a little bit because I think it might be something that's on my list, but I'm not sure. (laughs) So what was the setting or who was he with or what was it like? It it was just him talking about, yeah, and he wasn't in uniform or anything. It was just Patrick Stewart talking about the movie, like in a director's chair or something like that. Was it the? I think I may have seen that. Was it? Was it the one where Patrick Stewart talks for a little bit and then it goes to a scene with him and Data? Or is it yeah, it was sort of yeah. just right before that. Yeah. Oh, because actually, uh, one of the things that I had on on my list had to do with the conversation he has with Data as part. Okay, of that. so this is just purely Patrick Stewart. Patrick talking Stewart about talking Picard. about it. Oh. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, I, I did see that for like maybe a couple minutes. He talks about, you know, what it means and reflecting on the Picard character and all of that. Yeah. Ooh, so, I mean, I'm, I might be cheating because it's not really in the movie, but it is a deleted scene that talks about his character. And so that's mm. why I chose to select it. Okay. Nice. I like it. An unusual choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just think it sets us up for the Picard series and looking to the future. And so I really love that connection. Yeah, it does. And like when I was rewatching it this time, I was thinking like, this is the last time we've seen this crew and we've seen Picard up until now. And later this year, we're going to see Picard in the series, possibly other characters we've seen, maybe not. But we need, we'll need to think of it in the lens of what happens to him in this movie and then what may have happened in in the meantime and how it affects him. So, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's really, I think this movie uh, is really going to help set up the Picard series, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the last reference, really. So exactly. it sets it up in some way or other. Yeah. So, so listeners, go watch Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's always recommending that. But there's an added bonus. Yeah. You know, and maybe we should even do like uh, a, 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 like a Nemesis, like watch along or something before the Picard series, and that would be fun. Well, uh, Richard, your first pick. This was hard for me. It really was. I actually watched it a couple of days ago. I don't have a favorite part in this movie, except for the ending, but um, the battle scene is what I mean by the ending. I don't know. It's 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 a movie that I will tolerate to watch. It's not my favorite, but it's also Better not than my... Better than the movie it's that not, you it's, don't it's, name. It's, wait, well, friggin'. Planet of the Apes from 1970-something is better than that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, like, no, it's just, like, I, I, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying, like, I, I just, I just, it wasn't, I didn't really have a favorite, really have favorite moments. I think, in general, I, I like the movie. That's pretty much okay. what I'm going to say about it. So, I absolutely love the scene where where Janeway pops up on the screen. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> love it. And it's because, you know, 
obviously it shows that she's back and you know obviously she's g- given due the rank that she deserves um after being gone for so long yeah yeah <laughs> but like um i just absolutely love seeing seeing her and how she's changed quite uh, she's changed so much and it just shows you know that you know he, uh, Picard took, you know, um, I was about to say Shatter, <laughs> Kirk's <laughs> advice, <laughs> yeah. Kirk's advice on, you know, staying in captain's chair, you make a difference, uh, there and, and whatnot. So, I mean, not saying that Janeway doesn't, but at the same time, I could see Janeway more as an admin, um, admin person versus being on the front line. So, but I really love that, you know, they tied Voyager in and, um, and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good pick because uh Voyager had just ended, what was it? Mm-hmm. A year Two? before one, year, yeah, a one year, year after. Or so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really nice to see her character pop into this movie. Yeah, and I, I had that on my kind of longer list of honorable mentions because it is great to see Janeway to see the tide of Voyager, but it also I think it's a short scene, but it gives some character development for her as well because I think she's been through this terrible ordeal and she has like this kind of easy relationship with Picard. I mean, you mentioned it, Amy, but it's just funny when it's like the Borg, the Sona, like you get all the easy assignments. Now it's the Romulans, you know, so there's just something really great about that. And that kind of thing continues a little bit in, in the novel where, you know, Janeway is giving Picard orders and they're talking out things. So uh, it, I think it's great. That's a great pick. Yeah. Well, Justin, what is your first pick? So for my first pick, um, it, it's kind of a, a series of little moments toward the beginning of the movie. The beginning of Nemesis is one of my favorite things about the movie. I love seeing the wedding and the interaction that's there and some of the things that are going on toward the beginning. But it's kind of a series of moments about Picard. Because, you know, there's this wedding scene and Picard is giving this toast. And I love that he's joking and just having like a great time. And I just wanted to read a little bit out of it because I think there's just something that's so great about this and tells you how far that Picard has come since the stern character of Encounter at Farpoint that would have never probably done this. So he says, now I know that on an occasion such as this it is expected that I be gracious and fulsome in my praise of the wonders of this blessed union. But have you two considered what you're doing to me? Of course you're happy, but what about my needs? This is all a damned inconvenience, and while you're happily settling in on the Titan, I will be training my new first officer. You all know him. He's a tyrannical martinet who never, ever allows me to go on away missions. And then Data interrupts and says, That is the regulation, sir. Starfleet Code, Section 12, Paragraph 4, Data. Sir? Shut up. Yes, sir. 15 years I've been waiting to see that, to say that. I mean, there's just like something that's so great about seeing him be so, you know, relaxed and having such a good time giving this toast at the wedding. I don't, couldn't possibly imagine him being comfortable with her doing, you know, 15 years before that, right? So I love that part. And then there's just, I know this will take a bit of time, but there's a couple of, th- oh no, maybe I'll get into, Amy's cautioning me, I may be getting into some territory she'll be getting into. So maybe I'll leave it at that. But I do love that like toast that he gives and he's kind of having fun with data too. Go ahead, Amy. Yes. Okay. Thank you for not going any further. Cause I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're stepping on my pick. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, great. And, and it is a little different. So, um, I'm just going to let that be, but yeah, I also recognize that, you know, how Picard is with his crew that we get to see that. And it is a great, great 
pick. Of course, I love the wedding scene, but yes. Yeah. Amy imagines every day that she's at that wedding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Richard, I mean, what do you think about, because that's kind of how the movie opens, that Picard is giving this toast and he's like, you know, having some fun and, and bannering with them. So what do you think about it? Um, It's about time. I mean, <laughs> Riker's a, a clear, a, clearly a, a long closer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's over way overdue, I'm sure, is what, is what Troy's saying in her head. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a great pick. Something that um, almost every TNG fan, um, and I say almost because not everyone uh, wants to see them together. But I'm not saying I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like you know, um, yeah, it's about time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Justin, you you do. It's a great pick, um, and just a little bit different because I was one of my honorable mentions was like the build up to the Beta Z the wedding on Beta Z and Picard <laughs> yeah. is all jokes. And I just love that feeling that we get from Picard where he's telling Worf that a big strapping man like yourself has nothing to worry about, you know, cause Beta Z weddings are uh, in the nude. And then he sort of jokingly says, you know, to Riker, well, if you need me, I'll be in the gym. And then my favorite part <laughs> is when he's going into the turbo lift and he calls Riker Mr. Troy. I love <laughs> that. I just totally love it. And it just accentuates the joyful nature that to me totally calls back to all good things when Picard says that he should have joined in the poker games, you know, way before now. And I just, I think that those little moments really show how he has created this more personal relationship with the crew that we I don't know that we've been wanting to see but that finally it's happening and we're getting this different relationship that he has with his crew so I think those little moments all sort of support what you're saying with Picard and and his relationship with everyone yeah and actually I, I had that uh, somewhere in here in that series of Picard moments where he's like you have the bridge Mr. Troy and Riker's face is just classic or he's I like know. What? it really <laughs> is one of my favorites. Um and and actually something that's a little bit related to it. I mean like what's interesting is that Picard, you know, is is saying like what about my needs? What about my feelings and shut up data and all that stuff. But then right after that, he gets more serious about it and he has a really good reflection because he's saying, "Well, Riker, you've been my trusted right arm for 15 years. You've kept my course true and steady. Deanna Troy, you've been my guide and my conscience. You've helped me recognize the better parts of myself. You are my family." So he's just like pivoting from like this like really funny moment to something where you're just like, "Oh, that's so wonderful and moving reflecting on those 15 years and what Troy and Riker have have meant to him." It's it's just beautiful. So, and I think it works like going from one to the other. So I I just like that whole opening scene for what it what it does. Yeah. I know you read that and it just made my heart so happy and I just wanted to cry. I mean, it is so touching that he understands, you know, what Riker and Troy mean to him. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I love it. Well, so Amy, should we go on to your second pick? Yes. So my second pick is the scene in engineering where LaForge is downloading Data's engrams uh, into B4. And he questions the moral implications of it. 
And I think this calls back to what we've seen with Jordy and how he has to defend his parents' choice to not kill him as a baby when they knew he was imperfect or his choice to not get his eyes surgically replaced, you know, in the, in the seasons. And Jordy is such a staunch believer that you are who you are and you are who you're meant to be. And by knowingly changing or altering a person who you deem to be less, like is a front to everything that he believes And he challenges Data's decision in as any good friend would do, like by asking him questions so Data can self-assess if it's the right thing to do. Now, however, Data, I just continues and says, well, we're going to do this. And I think he sort of dismisses him, but I think it really shows Jordy's character and that we get that callback to him, you know, saying, you know, my eyes are and how I see is who I am. And I was meant to be that way. And I wouldn't have changed it. And so why are you doing this for before? Because maybe he's exactly who he's supposed to be right here and now. And so I really like that we see their relationship, you know, that uh, Jordy is comfortable in talking to Data that way. And, you know, sort of he's got a different opinion, but he still supports Data and you know, allows the process to happen. Of course, it is uh, what Picard wants, but I, I just really like that scene in engineering between those two. No, it's it's a great scene, and actually rewatching it this time, I thought about that too. Like, ethically, should they be doing this? I mean, I know that before is just like he kind of doesn't understand what's going on, which means he also can't make a decision for himself. But at this point, is it like, you know, they shouldn't be doing this because they can't actually get his consent to it or he's like can't even function in the world without them so they can do what they want. So I know it sort of goes to almost measure of a man is before yeah. sentient. It's a good question because like before seems to a lot of times not have a self-awareness or understand what's going on. And there's a question if he's sentient like Data is. So, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. And I couldn't quite resolve it for myself, but something about it felt not right for them to do that and not necessary for them to do that, mm-hmm. right? They thought they were improving before, but in the end, really, like he still doesn't quite understand what's going on, right? Even right. at the end of the movie. Well, and, you know, and then it just begs the question, like, improving him by your standards you know right yeah yeah what what do you think richard i failed to understand why they didn't have a backup of him anyway data the backup (laughs) of data yeah you know like like a like like any computer or anything like that i'd be like oh yeah let's just back him up (laughs) well i mean i think that i mean it seems like they can back up like the engrams but but like data himself like backing him up in another body or something like that, I don't think they can do because they haven't been able to successfully have like a stable, like positronic. I'm not talking about his body. I'm talking about his mind. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it would make more sense to have someone like us. I mean, again, I'm poking holes at this. (laughs) So I'm poking holes at this movie because, I mean, I hate it. Okay, I hate the B4 story. I really did. I thought it was crap mm. because only. Uh, but I mean, I understand why they brought uh, brought it uh, brought it across. Because I mean, obviously, they probably. I don't know if they what the thought process was behind. It's, a, it's really a device for Shinzon to get Picard to come to him. I, I was getting to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, right. uh, but like, obviously, you know, 
they already knew. I don't know if what the what the first conception of the ending of the movie was, but I could see that this being re- rewrote in the middle of it to make that happen is what I'm saying. But like, hmm. I don't know. I, I just. So one thing that I was uh, came across in my research for this episode was why didn't they have used lore? Because that would be a character that we already knew. We know that lore was disassembled into pieces. And so then that could have been those pieces that they found was that it was lore. And then that makes it more sense for this conniving type of thing. So I, I don't know. I thought I'd throw that out to you guys. Yeah, but then, well, it's funny you say that because actually I have a Data Lore t-shirt on. But <laughs> but um, the, I mean, the reason I think it had to be before some other being is that somehow Shinzon gets access to that. Who knows how? Whereas with Lore, they, they have the pieces. I don't know if they have it on, I don't think they have it on the ship. They probably no. have it at like some institute or something. Exactly, like and he could have got a hold of it just the same as he did before. I mean, Maybe. Mm-hmm. I if, don't know. You know, if B4 is, you know, say the Daystrom Institute, you know, with Noonien Soong's and his previous incarnations of data, yeah. you know, so it would be the same, you know, of him gaining access to B4 that it, he could have easily just gotten lore as well. Because I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I think it yeah. would have been interesting to see lore again. And I don't know. It just, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, they should have brought in lore. But I like before, so I'm I'm fine with it either way. I do, too. I think, well, I think that what's interesting about before is that, you know, he's he's really innocent and kind of being taken advantage of. And I feel really sorry for him because he doesn't even know, like, what's what's going on. I, I think it's, it's for me, at least, it, it's an interesting character. And I like that they brought that in there because it gets you to think about some of these things. Mm-hmm. but. Yeah. yeah. Well, Richard, how about your second pick? A character moment. <laughs> Remember, a ship is a character moment. Does that? Yeah, happen? I was gonna say the Enterprise in the center. Uh, yeah, but I was like, no, it's just no. That's not a character. It's not a character moment. <laughs> I picked the Enterprise E for the first contact one, so it's okay. Sure. That's. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like there's actually some cool Romulan ship design in this one. Yeah, but that's not what that's not what me that's not what makes it interesting for me. It's it's the fact that we get to see it do other things other than turning and it, I mean, this is I don't know uh, well besides uh, besides what you see on DS9, I mean, uh, for TNG, this is the really really first time that you get to see like Pretty much barrel rolls and far in you know uh, you know hard turns and every and, and whatnot and you don't get to see mm-hmm. just like what we were saying last episode we were talking about uh, the uh, w- on weapons of TNG part two that we don't really get to see we uh, we really don't get to see the Enterprise E you know really doing anything except for maybe a couple turns and 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 whatnot but in this one you see it turning you do see a pretty much. Turning the ship to uh, facing the ventral sh- shields towards the scimitar uh, was one, yes, and that yes. was that. I mean, pretty much you might just call it a barrel roll. <laughs> yeah, but, and and they had some really cool shots. I mean, I thought it looked as good as ever with with some of the shots you have, like on the underside and on the right. top and all that. And that's how it should be done. And I think that's. I mean, that's probably that's that's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite scenes out of all the battles because i mean 
even in Deep Space Nine, they had lots of, it was very, you know, two-dimensional, you know what I mean? Like up, down, left, right, you know, never never the Z-axis or, or, what, or whatever. It just, you got a little bit of that in DS9, like not Sacrifice really, of Angels not or really. something like that. Not really, no. But like what okay. I'm saying is that this is the first time we actually get to see an actual battle where that is incorporated into it. And it's just, it's a, it's a, or at least I don't know what the funding was back then. I don't know what it is, but like, but I'm sure, I'm pretty I sure. I think they, they spent a lot of the money on, on the battles one. for this movie. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But I'm I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this movie. I'm talking about in, oh, okay. in the past when it comes to different, because obviously they've reused shots before mm-hmm. in many times. Right. Um, but like in this one, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a lot better. It's, it's a lot better choreographed for sure. I mean, especially when you have three different, uh, four different ships all going in, in different directions. So that's, I mm. guess, there you go. <laughs> okay. The, the more realistic battle scenes, maybe. Yeah. I don't want to say realistic because it's not real actually, but um, <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is something that to you makes sense, like how space combat might work. Well, maybe not. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, you enjoyed yeah, it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's definitely, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, it just shows, it's, they use more of the screen and more of the, uh, more of basically technology that's already ready and available. So uh, that's what I love about it. So, yeah. All right, great. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one of my honorable mentions was the Enterprise E and when Picard, you know, gives the order and he's like, he thinks he's got me. And then he's like, go into ramming speed. And just, I really, really do like that scene. I mean, I feel bad for the enterprise but, um, just that the ship is in sense, sacrificing itself, you know, to stop Shinzon. And I, I just, I love that. I really hope they made an announcement to evacuate the forward part of the saucer <laughs> section. <laughs> well, he instructed Troy, and so she would, of course, given the command silently. Yeah, but there was no time. There was no time. Yeah, there it didn't was. seem like there was much time. To... No, there wasn't. <laughs> she did it. Don't it was even like, question be, it. Be prepared to do it, and like 30 seconds later, they were ramming the yep, thing. Yep, plenty but... of time. Okay. Those people on serving on board, they know if they say move, you move immediately. So, yeah. yes. My quarters are destroyed now. <laughs> like, I had to leave all my personal effects there and they're all destroyed. Oh, well. The, that's a really good scene and I, I enjoyed the, the battle scenes here. So, for my second pick, this is going to go into a character that doesn't have a huge amount of screen time, but that's definitely one of my favorites in this movie. So it's a couple of scenes with Donatra, the Romulan commander. And I think she has an interesting little arc in the movie where I think she is in some way, you know, complicit in what Shinzon does and assassinating the Senate. And then she, you know, is commanding some military forces. But she starts to question it at a certain point. I think even when she's uh, maybe even talking to Talora about, you know, like, he doesn't just want to defeat the Federation. He wants to annihilate them. And do you want the, that blood on your hands? So she's starting to question it. And then later, you know, in the battle scenes that, that we talked about, I love that, you know, she appears with, with her warbird um, and, and another and asks if they might be of assistance. I think Picard's kind of taken back aback. He's like, assistance? <laughs> like from the Romulans? What? And then Dinatra says, the Empire considers this a matter of internal security. We regret you've become involved. And Picard says, Commander, when this is over, I owe you a drink. And Dinatra says, Romulan Ale Captain, let's get to work. So it's great that they're kind of working together. But then 
you know, later on, um, after after the battle, Donatra says, you know, we're dispatching shuttles with medical supplies and uh, and personnel, and and she says, you've earned a friend in the Romulan Empire today, Captain. I hope the first of many. And I think that's really great because I think that one of the things I, I mentioned this before, but one of the things that I've found interesting that they laid the seeds for a bit in TNG is some kind of relationship working together with the Romulans. Now, we do see an alliance in Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War, but that's kind of an alliance of necessity. But like, I think what you see in something like The Enemy with, with Geordi and, and this Romulan guy who's really skeptical of him and he kind of wins him over, I've always been interested if they could have like a, you know, a closer relationship. And this seems to be this, the start of that kind of thing. And I love that Donatra is kind of going outside of what's usual in the Romulan Empire and what might be acceptable to, I mean, yeah, it's for kind of self-interest because maybe there's something in it for her, but I just really like that. And it's something that continues in the novels where she's a really interesting character, but I just love that we get this Romulan character who is willing to go out there and and help the the Enterprise and is thinking forward like maybe this will be the first friendship of many maybe we can actually work together and break down these barriers that have existed for centuries and there's actually something related which really this time like struck me which is a little bit later after that battle uh, Worf is with Riker because I think there's a landing party from the Scimitar that's come aboard and Worf actually says the Romulans fought with honor which is something I don't think he's ever really like contemplated before. But if it's gotten to the point where someone who's a Romulan commander can think about this and Worf can say, hey, Romulans might be able to fight with honor, you know, even though they were the people that, that were responsible for the death of my parents and, you know, he has all this hatred for them that we see over time. So I just like that little seed that's, that's sown here um, in, in this movie a lot. And I, I really like the character of Donatra. Yeah, and it's great that you point that out. I love Denatra in this, and she was a STLV. Well, and I really like that you bring up the wharf and that he says, you know, that they fought with honor because think about in the series, and you're right, his hatred for them, uh, you know, and how it's like Romulans have no honor. I mean, how many times do you And we a guy hear dies that? because he won't donate anything to exactly, a Romulan. Exactly. That's what I was going to bring up. And, and so. To, to see that shift, you know, after years of hatred, like, is a credit to Worf in that his one little line right there. We love Worf's one-liners. But, yeah, it really shows this shift that, yeah, you don't have to always hate someone just to hate them. That, you know, when you do, you know, these acts, and I love what she says, you've made a friend in the Romulan Empire and, and hope to have more, I think, again, shows that a brighter future of overcoming this hatred and building bridges and friendships and alliances. So, And I hope that we get Romulans in some form in the Picard series. Now, of course, like in the meantime, in those 20 years, um, we know that Romulus has been destroyed. Uh, so I, mean, I think there's a potential for a really interesting storyline with what happens there in the aftermath. And I want to see kind of where they're, they're at with the Romulans at that point. Yeah. Richard, like, what do you think about Donatra and that that whole thing? I absolutely love Donatra. And okay. it's not because of Donatra. It's because it's uh, Dina Meyer. Yes, <laughs> I know. I absolutely love Dina Meyer. Um, yeah, I think she I think she did uh, really well on, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, as Donatra. Great. So, Amy, your third pick. Okay. 
this is might be a little controversial, Mm-mm. so bear with me. But okay, I well, chose... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. So let's see. Have we had a Roy? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Why is it controversial? We're we're gonna find out in a minute. But oh, you haven't had a Troy Riker pick, so it's got to be that. No. No. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you were gonna choose one. I did. Maybe in it'll my be honorable, honorable mention. Okay. Oh, let's, okay. okay. I'm let's taking let, let's the let... challenge to the extreme. You guys think you I can't do it? Oh, I can. I cannot mention Troy and okay. Riker. Okay. Okay. The, but okay. Go, go ahead, Amy. Okay. We'll we'll see what we think of your pick. <laughs> so I am choosing for my third and final character moment is Data's sacrifice, and I okay. think it is the perfect ending to his character arc. I think we get the buildup of the sacrifice all throughout the movie ending. because when. <laughs> Because We're when get we, to that. <laughs> when he tells Picard in Astrometrics, like how Picard and he aspire to be better, yet Shinzon and B4 do not, like he is, you know, re, he's relaying what he knows, what it means to be human. And like his understanding of this concept supports his final decision to save Picard instead of himself. And I think this is the pinnacle act to Data's character arc as he truly is human in this one moment. And I I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's perfect for Data. Now, when you say controversial, I thought you were going to pick, you know, Wesley in the opening scene in order to infuriate Richard. But but no, I mean, like, seriously, that it's... I I didn't actually put it on my list because I was hoping someone else would choose it and we're not going to go through this without choosing that because I think it is... I mean, I think it was very controversial, definitely at the time, like, you know, killing off such a beloved character. But I think you're right, Amy. It's it's like he makes a very human decision to sacrifice himself uh, to save Picard, who has meant so much to him and meant so much to so many people. And it's really like every time that I see it, it's really moving. And like the build up to it, it just, it really, you know, gets me. And I always cry when, you know, like that's the end of, of Data. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it is a really great character moment and kind of, you're right, like the ultimate, like he has become human in that moment. It's like his lifelong dream and he can only do it by sacrificing himself, which is really sad. Yeah. And, and I say it's controversial because I hear so many people say that Data's death was uh, like not a good thing. And I'm like, this is him reaching his humanity. Like, so that's why I prefaced it that way. Okay. I don't. I, it, hmm. I don't think I've ever heard that being controversial, because I mean, it's he's not technically dead. Yes, he is. There is no. He's backed more up data. on B four. That's a backup. I know, but he's still not dead. He's just a machine. Yeah, but for the time for <laughs> that's why I said you know, know I know I know I know and it, and, it's, and it's a technicality that maybe they were looking to resurrect him later and. um they do make some use of it in the novels, but, 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 but like he, but he is dead in the sense that, you know, they're not going to see him, his original body is destroyed and they're not going to see him day to day. His memories and all that he is, is really buried somewhere in B4 who can't even take advantage of that and can't even express any of that. So in a, in a large way, his personality is gone. Maybe it can be retrieved later, but they're not going to see him day to day like they used to. So he's really dead in that sense. Well, yeah. And Jordy sort of points out like 
you know, it may be all your memories, but is it your personality? And it's explored, you know, a little bit uh, previous. I can't remember the exact season, but when the doctor and uh, Dr. Salar and they go down to the planet and right. he calls him grandfather, you know, tries to put himself into data. Yeah. The, uh, and and the other thing, I think it goes back to the measure of a man where, where data is talking about like, is it really the same person if they don't have the same real like personality or the flavor of the experiences and all right. of that? And he feels like he might lose something in going through this procedure and being disassembled and all of that. So I think data would even say that, you know, even if B4 is able to express all of his memories, that's not really data anymore. Mm-hmm. That's someone else who's expressing those experiences uh, through that body and that filter of that own personality. Yeah. Like through a third person. Mm-hmm. Like the memories are still intact, but it doesn't have the context and, like you said, the flavor. So, an interesting philosophical discussion. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't agree with that, but okay. Okay. I, when it when it deals with it's a computer, fine. not not an actual person. But I think that the data is more than just like a computer or or a machine. He has like grown beyond his original programming, and he has become his own person. That everyone he serves with thinks of him as his own person. And I think even Picard says in The Measure of a Man, it's like you're just a different kind of machine. We're organic machines and you're this other kind of machine. There's no, there's nothing yeah, that's but it, the thing, The that. difference between the two is is that one um, builds memories and in, in it learns from its actual memories for every experiences, uh, experience that it does. Whereas a human, that's a little, little different because it's also chemically uh, imprinted on your brain, isn't it? And it's different uh, for uh, for us versus like if you were like to imprint my memories onto yours, you'd be a different person. Or let's say you're a blank slate or something like that. You'd be a different person because you mm-hmm. don't have those chemical bonds versus knowing my memories. But with a machine, that's not the case. There is no chemical bond. There is nothing except for unless it's corrupted. But I think in Data's case, it's just imprinted in a different way. It's not chemically; it's more mechanically. But no, it's I know still that. Imprinted. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's it. There's nothing. There's there's no, there's nothing different from the original from the copy unless it's corrupted. Well, and that's why I think Data really embodies sort of this Star Trek philosophy of being better, continually progressing, and being more than what you were originally planned to be. So it's that idealistic of where is Data now and what he has chosen to do that makes him truly understand humanity and, in essence, be a human. But it's a really good question because if we ever have something like that, I mean, there's there's this this concept called the, the Turing test to be, try to be able to see if something that's an artificial intelligence, if a a human being is interacting with it, let's say through, you know, text or some other means so they can't tell if it's a real person or, or not, whether they'd be able to see whether it's, you know, a computer or a person. I don't think anything's been able to pass that. But if something does pass that test where it's kind of indistinguishable from a human interaction, is that because that machine is now like its its own personality and its own sentience? Or is it just so sophisticated that it can kind of replicate what that would be but it's not really that you know it's i don't know i think it's a it's a tough question if we get something like data i think some people would say you know yes he's a sentient being and others would say he's just kind of trying to to replicate what that experience is without being (laughs) sentient you know Mm. 
Yeah, yeah I still don't. I don't agree with that. But okay, right, okay. let's move on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I think it brings up some interesting questions. But yeah, we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> okay, so Richard, your third choice. Um. Okay. So, and it's the ending. Uh, Riker moving on to the Titan. Mm-hmm. About time. <laughs> About freaking time. I mean, for someone who says that he's you know ready for the chair and clearly not, and you know they've uh, you know basically um, pulled out the chair for him several times on, as we've heard um, before in several episodes. Yeah. It's definitely, it's about time. I mean, it's a great, I mean, it's a great, um, you know, segue to go into a new series and all that kind of stuff and books and whatnot, a new chapter for Riker as well. But I mean, it's just, it's just something that um, we've all been waiting for for quite a while. So um, I think it's, I think it was a little late, but that's just me. But (laughs) I think it should happen a long time ago. Yeah, it's, it's really Riker moving into just a new part of his life, which is, you know, a lot of development here where he'd felt stuck for a long time, right? Yeah. And I was, I just finished reading Imzadi again, uh-huh. which because I'm going to be on literary tricks, tracks, which I think by the time this drops, it will already have dropped. So listeners, mm-hmm. if you want to go I think it's going to drop uh, a few days after. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so, but reading Imzadi and having that backstory of, you know, where Riker's really determined and we see that in the series, like he's very career focused and we understand that that's why him and Troy didn't, you know, get together originally or even throughout the series and stuff like that. So to see this is just a great wrap up to the arc that Riker has and to, yes, finally move on to his own ship being a captain, you know, and we see it with Shelby, you know, best of both worlds. And she's like, you're in my way. And, you know, she's like, I'm you, I'm going to be captain. And then we see Riker just continually staying on as first officer. And you're right. It, it may have been a little late, um, knowing who's, uh, Riker's character is to be so gung ho that we finally get it in nemesis. So great character moment pick. Yeah, it's I think it's it's a really great pick. Although I think that they may have missed an opportunity. Okay, it probably would have cost too much to do this, but I think it would have been really cool if uh, you know, Riker's promoted to captain of the Titan, we're actually introduced to him on the Titan and with some of the Titan crew and the Titan and the Enterprise need to deal with this situation together. I think that would have been amazing, but it would have required like probably a lot more resources than they had, but but yeah, I mean, I think it's great just to see him Moving on to that, moving on to the 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 next thing. Yeah, and in the deleted scenes, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, they have just this one clip where Riker is talking to Picard's new first officer. Wait, and- don't don't go into that because that's my next pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Okay, so for my third pick, I'm sorry, because <laughs> no, it, it no. totally gets into that. Yeah. So for my uh, third pick. It's going to be something that I think I wasn't aware of before, but I loved seeing. So this is a deleted scene. What would have been the ending for Nemesis, but wasn't. They they cut it, and so the, the, the ending that happens is Picard talking to B4 and all of that, and then you see him walking down the corridor, which I think is great because it's like, okay, let's move into the next thing. But they cut a part that I think there's a part of it that would have been a, an, a, an even better ending. 
So, so in this, this deleted scene, so basically the new first officer for the Enterprise E is coming aboard, Commander Martin Madden, who is someone that, I think he's played by Stephen Culp, who played one of the Makos in Enterprise. So he comes aboard and Riker is, you know, talking to him and <laughs> convinces him that, that Picard likes to be called Jean-Luc. And so there's this interesting scene where Madden sees Picard and <laughs> Picard's like, gives him this look when he calls him Jean-Luc and he's like, oh, they're pulling my leg. So, and, and Picard kind of lets it pass. But but then after that, uh, Picard has like this new captain's chair that actually has seatbelts and Picard says it's about time, which is fantastic. But what I really like, about, I mean, it just sets up the the real ending of this scene and what would have been the ending of the movie where Picard's talking to this first officer and he's saying that they're going to be exploring the Denab system and he says a place, and he just has this little pause that's perfect where no one has gone before. And then the camera kind of pulls away from Picard, and you see people working on the bridge, and, and you see the outside of the ship, and it just kind of goes on to the next thing. I just think that's just such a like beautiful way to tie things together because about exploration where no one has gone before, which has kind of been their mission since the, the beginning. And there's just something really great on that, like looking forward to the exploration and, and the next thing, even if we won't see it on screen. Uh, and just the way they put it together, just the way that end scene is put together with the music swelling and all that, it, it put a tear to my eye. I was like, oh, this would have been such a great ending. And I kind of wish it was the ending for Nemesis. So, Yeah, I completely agree. The And it was interesting because I watched the deleted scene And I was like, oh my gosh, what a great ending. And especially like you're saying, when it pans out and then it has this beautiful shot of the Enterprise E, you know, after it's being all redone. And, you know, it was funny with the uh, Captain Picard and his chair. It sort of reminded me of Enterprise with Archer and the height of his chair. Do you know why? Do I know know why? Why why it reminds you of the chair from Enterprise? Because there's uh, Archer gets a new chair yeah. in season four, and it's the same one that was used in Nemesis. Oh. It's the exact same one. <laughs> I mean, I think they retooled it a little bit, but it yeah. is the same chair. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so that that came to mind. I think, oh, that's a nice tie-in. But, you know, when you're right. When they pan out and you just see the Enterprise-y, it's beautiful angle and, and like I said, where no one has gone before and just that exploration, it just... It really tied things together. I agree with you completely. And I'm like, why couldn't it have ended this way? And then I watched the movie and I'm like, oh, it did end with the ship, you know, and going off. But it didn't have the same effect as those words when Picard was like, you know, let's go explore this unknown space. So, And and they clearly spent a lot of time on it because, you know, some deleted scenes, you'll see like the visual effects aren't there. It'll be a little rough or something. But this was like completed. But for some reason, late in the process, they were like, we just need to cut this part. Um, And I think it's a shame. Have have you seen this particular deleted scene, Richard? Um, I distinctly remember that. Um, It's been a while since I've actually looked at the deleted scenes. But yeah, I think I think I've seen it before. I mean, what do you think of it? Would would you have preferred this as an ending, or? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I yeah, I guess I guess I could see that. I mean, it would it would be a better ending, or at least I thought it would be a better ending. Uh, it it definitely um, you know signals the fact that you know it, the Enterprise and everyone else is moving forward, and yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 they're and it's kind of like they've been through this terrible ordeal, but it's 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 hopeful. It's looking toward more exploration and more missions. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not an exploration, but I'm saying like moving the story forward is what I mean by mm, okay. by that. Yeah. Like everyone's moving on and and you know um, you know hopefully more movies or TV shows later on down the road. But obviously we didn't. So yeah. <laughs> or so far right now until later. Yeah, but. But yeah, and I kind of like that you're introducing like a new first officer there because that does sense the break, like things have changed and now it's going to be different with some different crew and all of that. Data's gone, Riker's leaving, Troy's leaving. And so it does really tell you that something's different now. Agreed. All right, so let's go on to honorable mentions. I know, Amy, you've probably gone over a few of yours, but do you have others? I'm sure you do. (laughs) Well, yes. So I did save my uh, Troy and Riker moment to the Ah, honorable mention. And then my other one we had already discussed. So it's not really the scene itself, but the fact that it happens on screen. And that is the Riker-Troy wedding. I love that we finally get to see these two characters get married and go off to the Titan together, that it's on screen, it is canon, and that they do end up together because it just sort of, you know, all through the series, you know, on again, off again. And, and this relationship that they have, I just really feel like it's a solid relationship. They've been through everything together up to this point and they are ready and secure to, you know, have a successful marriage, which is what we always want to see. So I, I don't actually care for the scene itself when I'm looking at Will and Deanna, because I feel like in this moment they take away because the focus is more on Picard's toast Mm, or Data's singing. And I'm like, no, I want to see more dialogue between Will and Deanna, you know, and I don't need to see the whole, the wedding scene, but you know, maybe just them talking to each other and expressing their love and, you know, sort of summarizing their, gosh, how many years, seven years on the series. And and they knew each other, you know, some years before that. Yeah, you know, but sort of a summary between those two, I think would have been better for me just because I love them so. So I like that it's on screen. It is canon. And that's my honorable mention. Yeah, it's interesting because strangely, it's Riker and Troy's wedding, but you don't hear them really talking about it themselves. (laughs) Everybody else is talking about it. huh? But is there really anything need to be said? Do you know what I mean? Well, for me and the fangirl, yes. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, no, I get that, but I'm just saying, like, what would what would there what would you want them to say? I mean, like, I mean, oh, I, I, I could... think I think the look between the two. Wait of a them... minute, Amy's pulling out her fanfic. Hold on, uh, I well... know. Let me start writing some things that I would have <laughs> liked like, to have seen saying, just like, the you know, summary of it. it. The look between the two says it all. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just. I mean, I don't need to. Know, I don't need any more than what they did. Um, well, I. I I get it. You're fangirl. Okay, I get it. Okay, <laughs> but I so say, that's like, why I need it, and you no, don't. I get that's it. Totally I fine. get it. No, yeah. I'm just saying. But I mean, a look, a look can say, says everything. I mean, the the look that they shared. I mean, freaking Troy practically crying, and um, just Riker being the confident person that he is. You know, just looking straight at her. So, but the but the look that they share is. It, I mean, it, it's like something I would you know, look at my, my own wife and be like, and I don't have to say anything to her. It's like, she just knows what, I mean, that just shows you how much of a bond that they have. 
that they don't need telepathy or anything like that or whatever. You just know. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure you do the same thing with your wife, Justin. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, and I think people can tell just when they're around us. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can I can definitely see that. And I would say, Amy, if you're looking for a little bit more, then uh, the, it does go into the actual engagement for Riker and Troy and the lead up to the wedding and all of that in the A Time 2 novels that Literary Tracks covered recently. So uh, I think especially in the last couple of novels, they they talk about that and it's great. Oh, and I have a couple of those books and I just haven't gotten around, so I need to get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a nine book series, so it takes a while to read, but I think especially, well, and you have to know some, I mean, I think they're they're great novels and they it's like the year before Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it talks about the changes they're going through and everything that leads up to Nemesis, including Riker and Troy's wedding. And I think there's some stuff in there that you'd really like and that would feed some of that need. Yeah, and and I get Richard's point, absolutely. I mean, the the way that Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis play that is spot on because the look that they do share at the wedding, it, it does. It says it all. However, dot, 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 I would have <laughs> liked to have seen a little bit dialogue between the two where they do summarize and, and stuff like that. But, you know, and especially knowing the off-screen friendship that, you know, Frakes and Sirtis have really add to that moment there. So... Mm-hmm. I can see both ways, and I understand why they did it for the movie. I'm just saying, it seemed this is the one point when people say, "Oh, it's a Picard and Data story." I'm like, "Yeah," because they stole the whole wedding thing with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could also point out that the fans have seen what Riker and Troy feel for each other over the course of 15 years, and it doesn't need to be explained to them. But yeah, yeah, maybe it would have been nice to to have them just reflecting, maybe even in in their in their quarters, like, you know, wow, we're finally here, and what does it mean, and all that stuff, yeah. and and just reflecting on how they'll miss the people that are on the Enterprise, but they're looking forward to this new adventure together on the Titan. That, you know, that might have been nice. Yeah. yeah. So there, I've written a little of it for you. <laughs> Okay, so I actually have a couple of, of honorable mentions, and several of them are from the deleted scenes because I really enjoyed watching some of the deleted scenes. So, Amy, you referred to it a little bit earlier where Patrick Stewart is talking about you know Picard's character and all that he's been through and what the movie means and all of that. But in that segment, which you could see on, on YouTube, it, it also shows a deleted scene of Picard and Data. Uh, so in that scene, it actually starts out with Data examining the Resican flute that Picard has, which is a great callback. It is, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is the one when they're in their, their whites. They're, yeah, the, they're in the white dress uniform, yeah. and I think they're in Picard's quarters. Yeah. yeah. It's that one, yeah. Okay. And Picard has some Chateau Picard, and he's pouring some for Data, and they're drinking wine, which is great. But what I really like is that, you know, Picard starts out by toasting, like, to the future— and they start talking about some things that Data has questions about, like, you know, how is it possible to have pleasure and sadness at the same time because people are having that for, for, the, for the wedding. And Picard, you know, was, was explaining what happens with the passage of time and how, you know, even though you're happy for someone to move on, you're sad for all that you've experienced before. I mean, I'm just summarizing here, but, but I, I, there's a really great discussion. And Picard is even reflecting on, you know, not marrying and having and not having children. And he's just like really kind of thinking about where he is in his life. And they talk about how all the things kind of led them to where 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 they are at, at this point. 
you know, and, and Picard says, you never know what's on the horizon. You know, data, you may have your own command, you know, which I think if they had kept that in there, it would have been pretty poignant as well. But what I really like is that that data is saying if that were to happen, if he were to get his own command, that he would miss Picard and Picard, you know, is saying that he misses data. And that causes data to kind of pause and, you know, look out the window toward the the stars and to have a toast to new worlds. And I just really like that that scene where they're talking about where they are, um, where they've been, where it's leading them. It's just like this really nice reflective scene. And in the end, Data is like, you know, let's toast to, to, to new worlds, basically to new experiences and whatever, you know, may come so that even if you move on and you feel sad about that, you know, you can feel happy for, you know, someone experiencing these new worlds. Anyway, I just thought it was really great and wish it wasn't deleted, actually, because I think it was a really nice conversation. Absolutely agree. And it really shows how Picard views his crew as his family. You know, like when he's saying, yeah, I I chose not to get married or to have children. And and I was hoping that you were going to quote like you usually do, uh, because... So the reason I'm not quoting this is because I couldn't find transcripts of the deleted scenes. Oh, I would have liked right. to, but I have to summarize from seeing it a couple yeah, times. Yeah, but Data uses the same language as he did in the series when mm, yep. he's like, you know... Oh, the sensory inputs, you're accustomed to the sensory inputs or something Or it was like, like the absence of your memory and grams or yeah, something. Yeah, and, you know, and so just that callback to the yeah. series was such great writing. And, you know, in essence was like, I would miss you too, you know. And it is, that is a great, great scene. And, yeah, I love that they're sharing the wine together and just that moment that they have. Although it does make me wonder what happens to the wine in Data's body, but... Anyway, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that that scene. And there was another deleted scene. It's a really short one, but one that I that I like and had to mention. It actually has Picard, um, you know, it must be later in the movie, talking to Crusher, who's at Starfleet Medical. Have you seen this one, Amy? No. Okay. It it only lasts about 30, 40 seconds. But basically oh, she, Okay, she, continue she, with it. Maybe yeah, I have. She she's on the screen. She's head of Starfleet Medical again, apparently. And, you know, she's talking about what it's like. And she says, you know, they're they're running me ragged, but I love it. <laughs> you know, she just loves being there in, in the thick of things at Starfleet Medical. And and um, I think she says, you know, we should go to dinner sometime. Picard says, well, you know, I'd like to, but I'm, I'm really busy. And then at the end of it, Beverly says, well, I'll save the last dance for you. <laughs> it's Aww. just this really like nice interaction that maybe gets you know, more toward, I think, what we'd like to see with them getting together. But I don't know, it's just like a really nice, nice thing. Because like, for a lot of these movies for for Beverly Crusher, unfortunately, isn't a lot for her to do. Although in this one, she does do something important. You know, she talks about her findings about Shinzon and his accelerated aging, which is really important, and they didn't know about before and that he's dying and all this stuff. So that's helpful. But it's just like a nice little extra thing. Like, She's moved on and she's having, you know, this good time at, at, at Starfleet Medical. That would have been nice, but it was only like 30 seconds. But for whatever reason, they didn't want to keep it in. Yeah. So we learn that she's at Starfleet Medical because of the deleted scenes, because that's not. Yes, it is not referenced theatrical. On, on screen. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I think one of the other deleted scenes references Crusher being at Starfleet Medical and maybe they had to cut the two of them together. But no, it doesn't say that on screen. But that right. was the intention. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, the I enjoyed the deleted scenes and those are my 
honorable mentions. Excellent. Any other thoughts on those or any other? You, you mentioned, Amy, that there might have been another deleted scene you had thought of. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think it was that one with Data and Picard, data and Picard. missing okay. each other or, yeah. you know, looking to the future and sharing the glass of wine. And listeners, if you're interested in any of those, you can just search, you know, Star Trek Nemesis deleted scenes on YouTube and you'll be able to, to see all the ones we've talked about and a few more. So. Yeah, because it was interesting. We were talking before we started, like there had to have been different deleted scenes because I just have the DVD. And mm -hmm. then as I was doing some research, people were talking about these other deleted scenes, like that one with Picard going to Starfleet Medical to visit Beverly. And I'm like, I don't I don't have that one. So there must be some additional deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, but you can find them all on, on YouTube. Yeah, and I think there may be some that aren't in in either one, uh, because I there were actually a couple. There was one where LaForge and Worf were cleaning out Data's quarters and looking at some of the objects and reflecting on it. I don't know if that's on the DVD. No, that is, and where oh, that Worf, one is? Okay. yeah, and they're you know taking care of Spot too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Spot jumps into <laughs> Worf's arms and yeah, yeah, which is which is cool. Of course, there's one that Richard is glad was deleted that involves Wesley Crusher. <laughs> well, wouldn't it made sense anyway? No, you know I mean? not like, at I, all. I've seen, I can't I've even seen think it. why they would even put that in. I don't. I don't either because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't tell us why he got back from the traveler and everything. But yeah, yeah. However, like that. So that one's deleted where he's like, "Yeah, I'm serving on the Titan now," and it's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. But 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 him just being there at the wedding, there is an explanation in one of those a time two novels I was talking about for why he has a uniform on. Yeah, and you don't get an explanation in the movie. <laughs> in reading up for this, it was LeVar Burton who pressed to bring uh, Will Wheaton back. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've had a great discussion about our favorite moments from Nemesis. So uh, let's go around with some final thoughts. Uh, Richard, your final thoughts? Um, well, like I said, you know, um, I really, I really didn't have a specific really moments of the except for the. Like I said in the ending, I mean it was for the most part. It's a really, it's a put, it's a really well put together film. I there are a couple of things I forgot about it uh, when I watched it uh, later this week or uh, earlier this week, and it's just yeah. I mean it's um yeah, it's it's a decent film. It really is. I mean, I'm not like over he head over heels like Amy is. <laughs> But, but we'll like, take that as praise from you. That it's oh no decent. no no yeah. yeah 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 yeah. I mean no, it's a good film. No, don't get me wrong. It's it's just I, I mean there are, there are uh, uh, just like any other movie. You know, I I'm sure there I could think of things other that would it'll be a little bit better. But I mean whatever it is what it is. So, but regardless, I mean it's a it's a pretty decent film as a whole. It really is. It really is. So, okay, excellent. Uh, Amy, your final thoughts. Yeah, it was, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, like I really wanted to focus on the character moments. And I think through our discussion, like we really hit some big philosophical moral dilemmas that came about from these character moments. And so I really enjoy that. I think this movie um, does highlight, I know it's not uh, the favoritist for some people and some people feel that it's not the best send off. However, I think with watching the combination of the deleted scenes and understanding the themes and sort of where our characters are going 
in this future off to the Titan, off to Starfleet Medical with Picard, you know, with his new first officer, like getting those things tied up, I think really does make for a nice final movie for our next gen characters. And uh, I think it's been and uh, yes, I do love this movie. It's got good action and stuff, but that's not the point of this. But we get to see these characters um, you know, the Jordy Data, the Picard Data, uh, Troy Riker. Like, there's just a lot there, a lot of substance, if you can look past the flaws of the movie, which I tend to do wholeheartedly. So, yeah. Yeah, so for my final thoughts, I mean, I, I think this is really interesting because, you know, I think I've come to like Nemesis more over time, you know, as we've discussed it. And I really appreciate that we talked about the deleted scenes because I think some of those, especially the, maybe the alternate ending and the uh, the Picard data conversation would have really added something. And it probably won't have only added like, I don't know, eight minutes to the movie or something like that. But they made that decision for whatever reason. But but it was really great to to talk about it. I think we got to talk about a certain range of characters. I think it's interesting that like the way that I think about this movie is like I love the first part where it's the wedding and like all of the stuff that they're doing and you know even some of the stuff where they get the positronic signature and all of that have some big problems with how they act on the on uh, the planet where they find B4. And my question is always like there's an ion storm we can't beam down. Can you just wait until the ion storm is gone and not contaminate the culture on the planet? Okay, fine. Because they don't even tell you how long it's going to last. It's like, ooh, there's an ion storm. Let's just <laughs> let's just take the Argo there. Okay, fine. And I have some issues with you know some of the Shinzon stuff. I mean, I noticed none of our character moments were like Shinzon related, really. <laughs> I mean, he's like the crux of a lot of the movie. But I know, Amy, you said that you were going to focus more on the character moments than, than the themes, and that's fine. I know that has more to do with the themes, but but like it's kind of how I feel about this movie. Like, I really like the beginning part. Not as much of a fan of a lot of the middle stuff, and I feel like especially when you're rewatching it, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna take him a while to find out Shinzon's a clone, you know, and it's like, come on. Um, and I, but I really like a lot of the ending stuff where it's kind of wrapping up, and there's all these character moments. I mean, and one thing we didn't, you know, mention that we've talked about on Earl Grey episodes before is one of the final scenes where they're kind of, you know, having this. I mean, it's almost like a wake for Data where they're just talking about him. And there's that really poignant moment where Riker's like, oh, you know, the first time I met him, he was whistling on the holodeck. Like, what was that tune? I don't remember it now. And it was just kind of like this sad moment, <laughs> this bittersweet moment where they're remembering how great he was, but already some of the details were starting to fade. So I think there's a lot of like really great stuff in this movie and a lot that I've come to appreciate. And I really like a lot of the moments that we that we talked about. I certainly have issues with the movie, but... You know, I I enjoyed rewatching it, looking for these moments because there was a lot of a lot of great stuff. So, yeah, I could have talked about Shinsan and Picard and that whole theme, um, but I think I've done that previously before. Yeah, so, yeah. I I do want to say that I do love that part. I just was, yeah, had a different focus for this podcast, no, and that's fine. I mean, that tells you also that there's a lot that's that's going on that we can that we can talk about in this movie. So we don't even need to have lots of Riker Troy moments or lots of Shinzon moments, right? Right. No matter how many, t- how many, how many times uh, Amy says so. <laughs> <laughs> Did I uh, fulfill the challenge by not bringing up the Troy Riker? 
I mean, you brought it up in the honorable mentions. I know. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. one of my picks. The challenge well, I was, was expecting to it not to be have... a pick. <laughs> yes. I thought it would be one of the three. At least one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Challenge accepted and yeah. defeated. Thank you very much. And of course, Chris Trebuzio, tell us what your moment was that you thought we wouldn't be able to guess and whether we guessed it. And yes. no changing just after you hear this. It has to be what you were thinking before. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really interested because he said it would be something we wouldn't be able to guess and we accepted the challenge. Yeah, we covered a lot of those deleted scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is it this one, Chris? Is it yep. that one? Is it this one? <laughs> yeah, we just go through the whole entire movie. Is it this one? Yeah. This one? Yeah. This one? No? no. Hey, eventually we would have gotten one right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Page exactly. one. Or maybe we just have like a little you know, read of the movie. <laughs> so we cover yeah. everything. No. So anyway, yeah, I, I think it's it's been great having this discussion and wanted to give listeners a preview of next week's episode. So Richard's away. Uh, and as a guest, we'll have Wes Huntington of the Minnesota Star Trek Nerd podcast as a guest. And we will be talking about best and worst Riker moments. So... I guess get your Riker moments ready, whether they're from the seasons or the movies, and uh, we're choosing to do best and worst. Now, that doesn't say anything about what we think of Riker. It was just uh, what Wes thought might be an interesting topic. So looking forward to that, Amy. Yeah, I need to get really thinking about this because I've been so excited for the nemesis that's (laughs) been... Occupying my Wes time. Has, as of this recording, Wes has his picks already. So we better I get know, going. right? No, we'll do it. We always rise to the challenge. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, it's been so much fun talking about our favorite character moments from Star Trek Nemesis, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, to the journey! Praise for a bit, <laughs> yes. Okay, if. Uh, I, I, I'm going to make a commitment to myself right now. If I am ever perishing in a plane crash, I am going to say brace for impact right before I die to everyone on the plane. I will brace somehow for impact. hear it across the miles. It'll be very dramatic, you know, with some dramatic theme music playing, hopefully, just like we have in Voyager here this episode. Earl Grey. That's terrible. Wow. Like, why would someone think that? I mean, if it's going to infect <laughs> this entire world of Ferengi, you've got to assume that there's going to be visitors or whatever and that it's just going to spread yeah, everywhere. Spread that everywhere. doesn't even make sense. Doesn't doesn't sound like a good plan no, to me. No, it does not. Literary treks. Both Bound and myself like Star Trek stories that work as uh, some kind of a parable that uh, hold up the mirror to modern times. And when we got the assignment that we could actually write the Prometheus trilogy, we were pretty sure that we wanted to do something contemporary with it, that we wanted to put modern day into a science fiction story. And the biggest problem that we saw at the time was terrorism. Melodic treks. You know, I suppose as being an actor, you know, I just was really kind of feeling into Clive's character and and trying to express the emotion of what I felt like he was going through on the Sarangi. Mm -hmm. So then it became much more of a personal, individual character. It was how I experienced doing it. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. 
And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find our show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. And they did. <laughs> they did share. Did you see Did you see the, uh, obviously you guys saw the hashtag. Oh yeah, I was going to mention that. Still so listening. Thank you yeah. listeners who use the still listening hashtag. Brenda Shamatala, we know that you're always listening. Thank you. But there were several um, other listeners who had uh, told us they were still listening. Should I just give him a shout out? That just made me so happy. Thank you. Yes, Justin. Let's highlight those amazing listeners who are hashtag still listening. <laughs> so in addition to Brandon Shamatala, uh, we also had uh, Chris Hill, who's at the Chris Hill on Twitter. Uh, we also had our friend Chris Tribucio respond to us and... He's at TrekFanLV, in case you want to follow these cool people that are still listening, right? Um, <laughs> and also, uh, Ann Munoz, who is at AMUN74656, which is the numbers for Voyager, which is cool. Yeah. So thank you, everyone who is still listening. We're heartened that, that people are listening, <laughs> so we yes. appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Well, if you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and then select Earl Grey that will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at Trek FM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not serving with Captain Riker aboard the Titan? Hmm. I wonder what I would do on the Titan. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I imagine you as an engineer, you fix things. Really? I imagine him as, as, you know, the is it the tactical officer that fires the weapons? Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> We've got so many plans for you, Richard. I'm sure yeah. there's a job where I could do both. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, like the, a, the engineer who sometimes fires the phasers and torpedoes from engineering. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. I'll, I'll do it from my console. <laughs> Where I don't have to have butt cheeks. You know what? Actually, what? I'm pretty sure. No, no, I'm saying butt uh, Breaker's butt cheeks on the on the oh, di- on the when, actual yeah. pad. On the console, I'm sure okay. that they, that that's a that's a standard issue on the Titan. Yes. So for, they had to prepare for Riker. Yeah. yeah yep. it, when it senses his butt cheeks, the console <laughs> locks out. Yep. <laughs> There's an alert. Your your butt cheeks are on the console, Captain. <laughs> 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 so whenever we're not talking about his butt cheeks. <laughs> You guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And my handle on uh, on Twitter is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not watching deleted scenes from Nemesis on YouTube? Well, when I'm not watching those deleted scenes from Nemesis, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 7 rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not rewatching your favorite Troy Riker moments? Well, I'm always doing that, but. <laughs> Do you when dream I'm about not, Troy and Riker? I have to ask. Did I what? 
Do you dream about Troy and Riker? Like, do you have Star Trek dreams? Do people that you love from Star Trek come into Keep your Keep them PG. <laughs> you know what? I don't think that I ever have. Really? I huh. have dreams, and they're very memorable. <laughs> I have um, never, never Star Trek dreams. Are you a real fan, Amy? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I've had a few, actually, some weird ones. When I get stressed, it's usually like teacher dreams. You know, my kids are out of mm. control, and... So but you're not no, teaching on the Enterprise it's more, day. Yeah, teacher <laughs> nightmares, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me here on the network where I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin, and that covers Star Trek Discovery. And we are uh, doing our postcards from The Edge, which covers the fan response for our season two. I am on the Fandom Podcast Network, Discoville, with my good friends Haley Stoddart, Kyle Wagner, and Kevin Reitzel, and that covers both the Orville and Discovery, and that's been really fun, so you can find me over there. I am on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, where I need to get back to my Deep Space Nine rewatch. It's been a couple weeks because everything's been happening with Discovery and the Short Treks, Uh, but my favorite place really is the Babel Conference. We have great listeners, and I enjoy the conversation there. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you will find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Today is a good day to die! Set course for the Denab system, a place where no one has gone before. Mm-hmm.